going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, um, which the part we're coming to is Matthew 23, verses uh, 37 to 39. That's on page 992, 992 of our church Bibles. We're going to... um, conclude our series in Matthew's Gospel uh, here, largely because from now on much of what happens is really the events that lead to Jesus' death and resurrection, and going into Christmas it's not really, uh, um, it's going to jar a bit as we want to get into Jesus' promise and his coming among us. So this will draw an end to our series as we've been looking at Matthew's Gospel for most of this year, um, and we'll pick up the remainder of the chapters of next year when we come nearer to Easter. But we're concluding really with, a, with an, an event of great um, significance, great poignancy in the gospel as Jesus looks on at his people. And this is what he says. It's Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your chicks together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Father, um, we pray that you will speak to us now as we reflect on those words of uh, desire and love spoken by Jesus um, 2,000 years ago by that ring in our hearts today. Amen. That's a nice image, isn't it? Oh. All the men are cooing inside, aren't they? As a mother hen gathering her chick under her wings, where uh, the chick will find protection and comfort um, from and warmth and provision and everything that um, that the wee chick needs. And this is the image that Jesus is using uh, when he looks at his people, those who have rejected him and those who have gone their own way, and he's. So how I longed, how I long to do that with my people. That closeness, that sense of provision and protection and protect them from all that was to come. That's Jesus' desire as he looks on his people. But he says, but you are not willing. It's something that many animals do, but chicks, uh, hens, hens have been known to do this whenever the predators are around, they gather their hens uh, their chicks are under their wings when predators come near uh, to protect them. And the mother hen will maybe, maybe the one who is taken by the predator and then her chicks will scatter, but it protects the chicks from being taken. Or if there's um, a fire uh, and there's no way of escape, the mother hen will gather the chicks under her wings 
and maybe the, the mother hen may perish, but the chicks may survive. But there's this image of the mother hen gathering the chicks. And this, I think when I, when I read this and conjure up that image, I often think, why would they refuse that? Why would people refuse to know God in that way? And we'll come to that in, in a moment because, no, oh, there's another one. <laughs> Very happy little chick. Because I want to be that chick. <laughs> I want to be there. I want to be like that. Why do people refuse? Well, let's explore that question first. Um, there's an explorer you might have seen in the news recently, Benedict Allen. Uh, he was in the news because he went to Papua New Guinea to discover, uh, rediscover sorry, a, a tribe in Papua New Guinea who have had hardly any uh, contact with the outside civilization. He, I think, encountered them first about 30 years ago, and he wanted to go back and uh, find them again. So there was this big sort of exploration trip. He was going on his own. He wasn't taking any sat-nav with him or anything that he might have needed, and he went off into Papua New Guinea to find this tribe. The next thing we all hear on the news is that he's missed his planes. He hasn't been heard of, heard from. He's missed his connecting flights, which is out of character for him, and... Um, his family are worried, his wife and his children are, are, are worried for him now, so it's really out of character, they're despairing, thinking something has happened to him. And indeed something had happened to him, because uh, days later uh, he was seen at the airfield uh, flagging down a passing uh, plane uh, for rescue, and um, it was, it was uh, radioed in and they sent a rescue plane for him. And it turns out that shortly after uh, spending time in Papua New Guinea, he went down with malaria, an episode of malaria. And his medication for that uh, had got uh, wet and wasn't any use. And he was really, really sick. Uh, And in the midst of being really, really sick, he was caught in between uh, a war between two tribes in the jungle. So he was really sick with malaria. Uh, There's a war going on, a battle, and he's kind of caught up in it and he's having to sort of hide from the battle. Um, So much so that he'd made a little video of himself sort of saying goodbye to his family and leaving a little kind of sense of a will uh, uh, on this video. When he was rescued and taken back to, uh, to a hospital and the journalists were allowed access to him, a journalist asked him, so, you know, did you need rescued? And his answer to Jonas was, uh, no. He, he was adamant that he didn't need rescued, and in fact that he was just reorganizing his kit to go back into the jungle again, despite his deteriorating health and all the different conditions that were going on for him. And I wonder what's at play there. What do you think was at play there? We can't really answer for him. He may well have felt he didn't need rescue. But what might be at play for Benedict Allen when he's asked, did he need rescue? And he's like, no, I didn't, I didn't need rescue. What do you think might be at play? What might have caused him to say no? Sorry? Pride. Yeah, so he's too proud to accept that he needed help from someone else because he's this great explorer. And he is a great explorer. But pride because... Maybe things had gone wrong uh, and they hadn't before. Any other reason he might have 
I didn't need rescued. Yeah, so the roots of this, pride is probably there. You know, it exposed maybe a weakness. It exposed that he had dependency on some other person to help him. Sorry, Colin, you're going to say that. Okay. Okay. So he had God with him. Yeah, he might well have done. That. I mean, if if he did, that may have been. He might have thought, well, you know, I'm I'm happy. Whatever happens. Um, I'm not sure though because he hasn't mentioned that but uh, that could have been a reason yeah if he had God with him then he'd be like well you know I will be okay Um, but he found it hard to say to admit that he needed rescue and I think on a a big scale like that rescue of an explorer you know I don't need rescue it's fine but often people do it generally in life you know when you try and help them I don't need help (laughs) my kids do it all the time dad leave me alone don't need help. And try and help them with their maths homework and I need help. <laughs> what, what factors might cause people to reject rescue? So we've heard of maybe pride in Benedict Allen's case, but what other factors might there be in people rejecting rescue? Don't want people to think they're weak. Okay. Yeah. So determination, like, you know, I, I'm going to keep going until this either kills me or I get through. Yeah. So grit and determination. Don't want to show the weakness. Anything, any other? Independence, yeah. Just fiercely independent. People can be fiercely independent and say, I don't need any, any help. Any other? It could perhaps be they don't realise the danger they're in. Um, could be another reason. You know, they don't realise the consequences, perhaps, that maybe someone more experienced or outside the situation can see is going to happen. Um, could just be embarrassment. You know? I don't want to admit that I made a wrong decision or that I was wrong. Um, there's many different reasons why people might reject rescue. As we draw near to the close of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is looking over Jerusalem. He's looking over Jerusalem and... I don't know if I can go back on this. Okay. He's looking over Jerusalem and he's looking at his people. God, This is God, God's very self, looking at the people who he created and whom he loved, whom he spent three years thus far um, publicly ministering to, Speaking um, words of truth, revealing the the father's the father's heart to people who um, hadn't realised how much God loved them. He's healing people. He's walking in water. He's calming storms. He's doing all this stuff. He's come to a point. He's looking over and he's saying, "Oh, I just love to do this with you guys. I've longed to do this for since since you rebelled right at the beginning." I've longed to do this. So we have a couple, of deci- uh, a couple of lines exposed in front of the disciples and the readers of the gospel. The heart, 
that God has for the lost children of God. That longing for them to know safety, to know rescue, to know protection, to know forgiveness, to know love. But for many, he says, but you will not let me. And I know that heart of God is still the same today. Longing to gather up people so they may know love, protection, forgiveness, hope, wholeness. But some just will not let him. For many of the reasons we've already explored. How often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Why do you think then, just to change the question slightly, why do you think then people reject Jesus? Any ideas why people might reject Jesus? Okay, so yes, yeah, so, so they don't want anyone else to be in charge, and they are in charge, and I want to live my life my way, thank you very much. Okay, um, so independent, fiercely independent, maybe. Okay, any other reasons why people might reject Jesus? I don't realize the danger they're in. Okay, I just much like when I was lost I didn't realise I was lost yeah they didn't realise the danger they're in they didn't realise the consequences of rejecting Jesus if they're saying I don't want anything to do with God now then why would they for eternity and and they you know without well I've got to be blunt about it we go to hell and that's sort of frame it like that sounds very harsh but that's, that's the reality they don't realise the consequence I've just been invited to no safety and protection or off you go. Any other reasons why people might reject Jesus? Or even just broaden it out, the pursuit of the Heavenly Father throughout, you know, why do they reject that? Why do they reject the invitation? Okay, it could just be not even on the radar. So they might not actively object to Jesus, but just not even, it's not even thought about. There's so many other things crowding our, our world that may be distracting us or, or causing us to look elsewhere. They're not thinking about those big things. Um, I know I've been away um, before with a bunch of guys and uh, they're all out of their comfort zone. And all the normal trappings from home were not there. And all the, the things that kept them busy and occupied, all the normal comforts that would have uh, distracted them were not there. And I did not have to initiate one conversation about Jesus or faith with anyone. I didn't have to shoehorn any conversations in people would naturally start to turn to think about the purpose of life, the meaning of life. 
You know, does God really love me? What's this forgiveness thing about? Could God forgive me this? Because all the distractions and obstacles and the comforts which blind us and make us deaf uh, to the love of God are removed. And they were asking those kind of questions. But yeah, no thanks Colin, that's very important. People just often don't think. They don't realise they're following the woman in the red dress. I think people don't think they need rescued. They don't realise they need rescued. It's the same as the above. Also the pride and embarrassment and maybe the consequences. Or if people have been maybe vehemently against Jesus their whole life, you know, maybe a committed atheist. It's a, it's a big deal for them to actually go, you know, I spent most of my life being wrong. I've got to admit that, not just to myself, but to all the people who maybe have sided with me or got alongside me. And people also are used to fighting. They're used to trying to work it out themselves. You know, Jesus has done everything for them, but they're thinking, but, oh, if only I'm good enough. You know, I'll just live a good life. That's enough, isn't it? That's the, the, uh, the reason that uh, people in my family have given. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll do good, sure. Whenever I die, God will accept me. So that's not, that's, it's not that difficult. That's not the gospel. Just try and, you know, maybe you'll be good enough for God to accept you. You can know that God accepts you because Jesus is good enough. That's the gospel. We cannot do anything to make God love us anymore. Or anything to make God love us any less. We just need to trust in Jesus. People are self-sufficient. They want to fix things themselves. There's many reasons uh, why people reject Jesus. Jesus here refers to the uh, God's people have killed the prophets and stoned those who came for them. Um, there's some examples here uh, from 2 Kings 21 where King Manasseh, he had led uh, Judah to sin. He led the whole nation. Because he was in charge, he'd led Judah as a nation to accept idols. So they worshipped God, but they also worshipped other gods alongside him. That's, so he led them into sin. And the prophets went and said, you know, you can't do this. That's not right. Um, so he killed the prophets. Uh, they think also Isaiah was killed by King Manasseh. Any God-fearing person who questioned his way or did not mind their own business, you know, you mind your own business, you follow God. They were persecuted and killed. Or in 2 Chronicles 24, um, we hear how the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehodiah, the priest. And he stood above the people and says, Thus says God, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But we hear the next thing, they conspired against him. And by command of the king, they stoned him. Well, Jeremiah, we have Jeremiah 26. We hear about the prophet Uriah, a contemporary of the prophet Elijah, speaking God's words, which caused King Jehoiakim this time to want him out of the way. He chases Uriah all the way to Egypt, brings him back and strikes him down with a sword. Jesus, only a little earlier, has told a parable to um, God's people about the, the tenants and how the owner of the, the land was coming back and he sent, he sent his, uh, 
servants to go and uh, get their part of, uh, of the harvest. And they killed them and they stoned uh, or beat them and, and sent them on their way. So the owner sends his son. They respect my son. And they kill the son. Jesus is talking about this, people rejecting God. Jesus, knowing full well his coming rejection by his own people, he laments. I guess, you know, he's heartbroken by the rejection of God. As any of us would be if we were rejected by our children. He's heartbroken. Even when God's very self was walking among them, performing miracles, healing people, they weren't concerned with the fact that Jesus has healed a blind man so he could now see. They were telling him off because he did it on a Sabbath. I mean, Jesus is just lamenting, he's heartbroken for his people. This is, we've got to, this, in this few verses, we get the Father's heart just exposed before us and I, how I long to gather you together. But you would not let me. From the point of rejection, from prophet to prophet, sent with God's message of hope, of restoration, of, uh, of getting right with God. Some have done that and others have rebelled and rejected and killed and stoned. With this image of a hen gathering her chicks, Jesus summarizes the history of his rebellious people the ebb and flow of their allegiance to God, the father's heart longing to rescue his children from themselves. How I long to gather you up, but you would not let me. I love that image, that image of invitation. It speaks of so much. I mean, if you just look at that, just as the sort of farmyard image, but it speaks of so much of what can be known if people allow themselves to get right with God. The God who covers me with love and mercy, who forgives me all things, who restores my peace, who gives me a hope and a purpose and a future. But in its rejection, people rejecting that with God it also highlights how Jesus longed to protect the lost children of God from the punishment of their sins he did not want them to face the just wrath as, as Lynn highlighted and didn't realise what's ahead of them they would not accept his protection they would not accept him as saviour I don't need rescued thank you very much Therefore, we hear the Jews were left alone without protection. And I think of this occasionally. On particularly gloomy mornings, during the school run, it might come to mind. So many kids pouring down with rain, refusing to use umbrellas. Or refusing to wear coats. That might be the school saying that but they refuse to use umbrellas. Why? Why do they do that? We all kind of know why, because we've all been there. But we said to Reuben the other day, like it was lashing down with rain, so much so that we, we drove him part of the way uh, to school 
before taking the other kids to the other school. And I said, to her, put, put your umbrella up. And put my umbrella up. <laughs> it's like, why not? It's, it's pouring down, you'll get soaked. And we started to point out people who were courageous, who were brave, who had put their umbrellas up despite the peer pressure to get really wet. What's going on in that mindset that says, I'm not going to put my umbrella up? People refuse the protection of God for the silliest of reasons. As we wrap the boys up with hat and with scarf and gloves and coat and umbrella, making sure they're snug and secure and protected, people walk past us extremely wet. Why would you not want to be gathered up under his wings? And very briefly to finish, the second part, the second question that sifts to the surface in this episode is, do I have a heart like his? Do I have a heart like Jesus? When I see the lost children of God, people walking around without their proverbial umbrellas now, when I see the lost children of God Am I sad for them? And what do I do about it? Do I long for the people of Lima Valley who could know God, like the image of chicks sheltering the hens under the wings? Do I long for that for them? Do I pray for that for them? Do I do things in my day-to-day life that is for them, that they may experience the proper love of God? And know it for themselves. This is what we're about, you see, as disciples who make disciples, as followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. We're just to be found helping each other have a closer walk with God. Be that we've been walking with him for 20 years or we haven't started walking with him yet. Introducing some people to Jesus for the first time. When the prophets and when Jesus and when his church followed him, they faced rejection, persecution, execution. What were the persecutors trying to do? What were they trying to do? To the prophets and to Jesus and to his church that came since, what were they trying to do when they persecuted them? And here it is. Yeah, they, they, they killed them. When they, when they killed them and pushed them away, what were they trying to do? Sorry? Assault them? They've come with messages of hope, of God's love, of repentance, of change your ways because there's a better way. What were they trying to do? Yeah, get them away so they wouldn't be bothering them anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Any other answers as well? They're trying to kill the message by killing the messenger. I don't like what you're saying, but I'm in a position of power, so I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to reject you. Or I'm going to make life difficult for you, so you resign from your job. Or I'm going to this, that, or the other. Because what you are saying, as we're told, the gospel is offensive to people. Because deep down, they know it's true. Deep down, they know it's right. But it requires a whole change. And actually, some people were quite happy with their disordered passions and life as it is. They don't want to change because they're loving sin too much. They don't realise that actually if they change and get right with God, life will be full and as it should be for them. You cannot kill the message of Jesus. And so often the greatest thing that causes us to retreat when we have that heart of the Father for the lost children of God, what causes us to retreat or shrink back from sharing it or showing it is that kind of persecution. Sure, we won't get killed, I hope. But we may fear rejection. What will they think of us? What might they do? But they still want to be my friend. We should be unshaken by this. Because God's people have always held out to God, out the God who has come to the rescue. They've consistently held out the God who has come to the rescue for the people who they're talking to. We say our peace. We hold out the home that is found in God. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge, it says in Psalm 91. We hold it out to people. What they do with it is between them and God. If only they knew they needed rescued in the first place. May we be unshaken, an unshaken people of God who know who know that in our walk with him, but equally who desire that for those who don't. Amen. We're just going to finish as we reflect on Psalm 91. I'm just going to read this as a prayer and then we're going to listen to a song. Um, and then we're going to go out back out onto the mission field together. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. 
and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you make the Most High your dwelling. Even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him. I was, uh, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We're going to listen to a song as we finish our service today.